0: You're listening to The Vine Podcast, episode 123. Have you ever wondered how to utilize Instagram for your blog? With so many changes to the platform, it can be hard to keep up with how to really use it to best connect with your audience. In today's episode, we're talking all things Instagram from how each type of content is supposed to work on the platform to how often you should post as a food blogger. And I guarantee you will walk away with tons of tips to confidently use Instagram to connect with your audience. Hey friend, I'm Madison Wetherill, a web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers and your host for the Vine Podcast. This show is all about supporting you as a food blogger as you grow your business. I'll share tips for designing your business and your website with intention so that you can build a blog that fits into your life, not consumes it. You'll hear tips for connecting with your audience, growing your blog, and tips for managing and designing your website, all in short, easy to consume and actionable episodes. If you're ready to think differently about the strategies and tactics that you need to grow your food blog, you are in the right place. I'm so excited that you're here, friend. Let's get started. Hey, food bloggers. Today's episode is a super fun one because it is a rare interview with another industry expert. Now, I don't do a lot of interviews on the show because I really want to make sure that this podcast is a space to host conversations that are unique and truly serve you as a food blogger and as a way of being completely transparent, interview episodes are a lot harder for me to schedule in my life and also for us to produce as a team. And so when we schedule someone to be on the podcast, we do not take it lightly. And we really wanna make sure that it is somebody who is really going to bring a huge level of value to you as a listener. Today's podcast guest is an Instagram expert and a food photography expert that I connected with during the most recent Food Blogger Summit. Kimberly Espinel is an award-winning food photographer, best-selling author, educator, and creative business mentor. She runs a thriving food photography business and has created content for many beautiful brands, including Sony, KitchenAid, and more. In her podcast, Eat, Capture, Share, Kimberly focuses on empowering food bloggers, food photographers, and food content creators to develop their skills, find their unique style, grow their audience online, and build the creative business of their dreams. Kimberly does not hold back on sharing all the things that you need to know to use Instagram as a food blogger in this episode. And while we do talk about some things that are time sensitive or trending, this definitely isn't an episode that is going to be out of date over time as she really shares a holistic approach to using Instagram and how you can really use it to connect with your audience in a meaningful way. So I know you are going to walk away with so many tips from this episode and hopefully a little bit more excitement to use the platform as a creator. I know listening to her tips got me just so excited to be able to use Instagram with a fresh set of eyes and a fresh set of tips. So let's go ahead and jump to the interview. Hey, Kimberly, welcome to the Vine podcast. I'm super excited to have you here today, and I would love for you to just get us started by telling us a little bit about your story and your business.
1: Madison, thank you so much for agreeing to have me on the podcast. I'm really, really excited to share a little bit more about Instagram and what have you with your listeners. But my name is Kimberly Espinel. I'm a food photographer. I'm a food photography teacher. I'm a podcaster too. My podcast is called Eat, Capture, Share. It's a podcast for food photographers and food bloggers. And I'm the author of the Amazon best selling book, Creative Food Photography, and a creative business mentor for food photographers and food bloggers. I live in London with my son and husband, and um, yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell.
0: That's awesome. And I know from our previous conversations, you have been in this food blogging world for a while, so you totally get what it's like these days versus, you know, what it used to be like as a food blogger. So I would love to start us with just why do you think a food blogger should invest time into Instagram in this year of 2022 when things can be a little bit, you know, erratic in terms of mm. like virality and algorithm changes and all the things? So, can you just share with us why you think it's still a worthy investment of our time?
1: Yeah, of course. So, I'd love to start if I may just by stressing that I don't feel that Instagram should be where you put most of your energy. Like if you have limited time, putting the- That into your blog would always be my recommended first port of call so to say like if you don't have enough time then you know really go all in on the blog because that's your space and it's not dependent on algorithm changes and what have you if you've got a blog and you want to add something onto that then I definitely would say Instagram is the one I think what I love about it and what sets it apart from say Pinterest or I dare say even Facebook is there it's really the the queen of all social media platforms. And it is that because it really allows us to connect so deeply with our audience. And there are lots of different ways that that's possible. So one is just through the comment section. You know, when you post something, whatever it is, people can comment right there and then and you can respond and really have a dialogue with them. And a lot of times that's missing, you know, on the blog or it's not quite the same, you know, like I, I love that that Closeness. I think the second thing about it is that you can also establish an even closer connection with your audience through communicating on DM. And I really view Instagram as a sort of umbrella for lots of different apps within it. So for me, your grid is one part of the app. And then your DM section is a completely different part of the app that requires a different strategy and a different approach. And I think the DM is really where you nurture relationships. And also for those of you selling, say, ebooks or cooking classes or what have you, like a lot of selling can really happen in the DM section because you know, you can respond to people's queries and there's just a closeness there that you don't have anywhere else. And then the third part of Instagram is Instagram stories. And again, I love that because so many of us have a very curated grid, have a very curated blog, which we should do, right? Like that's our brand. That's how we're showing up. But on Instagram stories, we can be much more relaxed and we can be much more authentic and we can be much more the real us. And Although we don't grow through how we show up on stories, it builds, again, this really nice close bond with our audience, with our community, and that is really unique, I think, to Instagram that, say, our blog doesn't have that, or even our our mailing list or Pinterest or what have you. Then there's something else called the live feature, which has been around for quite a couple of years now. And I would say it's starting to fall out of fashion a little bit, but I've seen it used a lot where people go on to uh, live with somebody else. And I'm happy to talk a little bit more about that, but that's a great way to grow your audience. But really, I say, if I have to kind of boil it down, it's just a great platform to get creative and to show all the different facets of you, what you do, who you are, and how you serve your community. That's like, there's no other app quite like
0: it. Yeah. And I love that you broke down sort of all the different parts, because I think that is something that is very different about Instagram versus a lot of other platforms or even just your blog itself. There are so many different features. So you had kind of mentioned, you know, DMs are great for selling and nurturing. Stories are really great for showing up in an authentic and relaxed way. The live feature is maybe great for kind of collaborations and mm-hmm. cross promotion between other people. What would you say is the like the function of the grid? And is there I guess is the grid still relevant these days?
1: Absolutely. Because it's really the first thing people see when they when they encounter us. Like they might find us in the explore, or but then hopefully, what really what you want is them to come to our grid because that's where they press the follow button. and that's where they decide to become part of our community. So it is really important. I think what has changed is, like, say, two years ago, three years ago, the grid really needed to look super curated and you know picture perfect and i think we are definitely moving away from it but it still matters like you're still signaling who you are what you stand for what you offer i love the grid also because, you know, it has the bio section at the very top and you can always direct people there to your blog, to an opt in, that kind of thing so that they connect with you even beyond Instagram. So the grid still absolutely, completely, totally matters.
0: Yeah. And thanks for explaining that because I think some people get frustrated with, and I know we've we've experienced this even with our own account. It's, you know, your content that you share on the grid, it, it's like it's crickets there's just not a lot of engagement a lot of the time and so it's important to remember sort of what the ultimate need to have that you know what what that is ultimately for more so than you know just feeling like well i just won't post there so i love that you shared that that's kind of the the hub almost and that's where people Absolutely. are going to make it's really similar to how i describe a blog's homepage in Mm. that it's like kind of that first glance. Like if you get to the person's Instagram profile, you are kind of trying to figure out like, what is this profile all about? What can I expect? And so thinking of it in that way, and, you know, it might not need to be perfectly picture perfect and curated, like you said, but curating it in a way where it is thoughtful what you're showing and how you are, you know, kind of presenting your brand In that space.
1: I think there's two more points to that, if I may. So the very first thing is you know, there are. Literally billions of people on Instagram. And so it's very, very rare that somebody sees a post and decides to follow you immediately. Like that very rarely happens because there's so much choice. There's so many people they can follow. And unless, you know, you knocked it out of the park with this one reel or whatever, people aren't going to press the follow button willy nilly. What they are going to do is they're going to go through a number of your grid posts to see if the content they liked through which they found you is connected to the other content that you share. And if they scroll through a couple of your posts and they're like, oh my God, yeah, actually I need this in my life, they're going to press the follow button. So it really does matter. That's point number one. Point number two, what I have noticed, and this always gives me so much hope, is that posts that don't get necessarily a lot of likes, a lot of comments, a lot of engagement, often those are the posts that lead to inquiries, like I'm also working as a food photographer. So not just as a food blogger from brands or from prospective food photography clients, you know, so Often it is the ones where, you know, no one really took note, but my ideal customer did see it. And so, you know, I latch on to that. And then also sometimes there are posts where maybe not 150 people have commented on it, maybe just two, three, five, ten, 10, what have you. But for those people, the, that post was really Important, life-changing, inspiring—what have you, right? Like we don't always have to have everybody love what we do, but sometimes it's just that one person, right? And um, that can be that can be super, super valuable too.
0: That is so important to remember because it is, like you said, there's billions of people, and if you are trying to find and attract billions of people to your Instagram account, you are probably first of all, not going to be very successful at that goal, but you're also not going to make that impact. So I love, love that. So let's dive into some ways to grow your audience, because I think it's really interesting that you said, you know, people aren't going to follow you the first time maybe they like discover your profile. But I guess on the flip side of that, how do we make it more enticing for people to see our content? How do we grow that audience in sort of an organic way?
1: Yeah. So I think there's two elements to that. One is you want more people to press the follow button and you want fewer people to unfollow you, right? Because once that happens, that's when you see real growth because it's very normal for you to post something and for people to unfollow you. You just want the follow to be higher than the unfollow. And so both those things require slightly different strategies, so to say. So if you'd like to grow, you know, there's no there's no two ways about it. Reels are definitely like the number one growth strategy right now on Instagram. So I think if growth is at the forefront of your mind, then a really solid reel strategy is a must. Now, what I will say is that not every single post you do has to be a reel. And I think you can still grow with photos, and especially if those photos are accompanied by really engaging, heartfelt or entertaining or what have you captions, like they can still go viral. They can still be super powerful, attracting the right clients, customers, and followers towards you. But Reels has to be part of your strategy. I would say to minimize your unfollows is to really show up and connect and offer value in stories. The stories is really less about getting new people in because a lot of the times only like one or two percent of non-followers even see your stories. So you really, you know, you're really speaking to your people there. And so that's when you can show up and build that connection because people are much more likely to unfollow you If they don't feel a connection with you, you know, if they're invested in you and your story, if they feel that you're offering them something that they really need in their life, they're going to stick around. And that's really when you see the growth. So if I had to put it kind of in a nutshell, those are the two things that I think are really, really important to focus on. I would also say, and this is something I have noticed people really underutilize is carousel posts. So they can be super powerful because essentially to go through all the slides in your carousel, you have to spend more time, you know, on, or or the customer has to spend more time on your profile or on your photo versus just a heart and moving on. Right. And that's really what Instagram wants to see. They want to see you stay longer and engage longer with a post. So that's the great thing about carousels. Like people just scrolling through those different slides are going to be around for longer. And, you know. I think if you really lean into the pain point of your audience or the things that they need or the questions that they ask, carousels are great ways to kind of break down some of the questions they have, the information you want to share around that versus a really long kind of detailed in-depth caption, which a lot of people probably aren't going to read, but the carousel makes it much more digestible. And so that's another really, really powerful way to grow. And then the last one that I wanted to flag is the lives, which I mentioned before. I think what I love now is that you can go live with more than one person. And ideally, if that person is in your niche and has a similar sort of audience, it's a great way to step in front of new people who will hopefully like you, trust you and follow you. So that's another, you know, if you if you've got the the guts and the stomach for it, then I definitely recommend going live every once in a while.
0: Yeah, and I would love for you, first of all, thank you for again, breaking those few things down, because I think people get super overwhelmed with just like all the options. And when you can kind of put it that way, I think it gives people a little bit more perspective of kind of what's working right now. And I would love to hear from your perspective, is there a particular strategy around like how often to post a reel or how often to post a carousel or like kind of that balance of creating content because I think for a lot of people it's it's challenging to start creating reels or to not go down a real like rabbit hole and like have that be the only thing that you're doing. So I would love any tips that you have around kind of a a strategy for that balance.
1: Yes. So the first part of your question was how often should we post? And I have to say I think So I'm going to go a little bit against some of the advice that you might see on Instagram, which is, you know, post loads, post three times a day or whatever. For one, I don't think it's sustainable. And for two, I think if your job is to be a content creator on Instagram, yeah, that it makes sense to show up three times a day or five days a week or whatever. But most of us, we are running our food blog. We may have a family (laughs) that we need to attend to or, you know, another part of our business. Maybe we're running e-courses or what have you, you know. We just don't have the bandwidth to show up that much without burning out. So I'm definitely totally against it. Unless you you can and you, or you outsource it or whatever. I think the other side of the coin there is that unless you show up at least two to three times a week, growth is just really, really hard. And... You know, it goes back to that follow versus unfollow. I think if you post only just once a week or twice a week, especially if you're below 10K, it's just so hard to grow. So I would say the sweet spot is what you can manage, but anywhere between um, bare bone minimum twice a week, ideally somewhere between three, possibly four posts a week is really ideal on your grid. So that's number one. In terms of the content, that you should post or may post or can post. There isn't like a formula because I think it really depends on the sort of content that your audience likes the most, what they are responding to the best. For me, what's really interesting is that the audience that I've cultivated and built over the last couple of years, they really still do love My plain and simple photos. And also because my ideal customer is a food photography client, you know, it's still vital, even though it won't allow me to grow exponentially, it's still vital that I include that kind of content. And so, you know, that might be a really important point for you to think about like, what content is your audience responding to? I have noticed of late that my reels are performing much better than my carousels. You know, but the algorithms change all the time, so I do keep testing. I try and do one photo, one reel, one carousel a week, roundabout, unless you know, I don't have the time or whatever, or I feel really inspired. And then I would do three reels in a row. But you know, across the one month, I would probably do four reels for carousels and four photos and then jiggle that up in the way that suits me. But that's me. And it would be really important for you to look at the analytics side. So I think you can only get that if you have a business account or a creator account. Don't quote me on it. But it's really good to see like what got the most likes, what got the most comments, what got the most shares. And then maybe lean a little bit more into the type of posts that are performing best for you and take it from there.
0: Yeah. And I love that you said that there's not quite a formula, but I do think the examples that you gave are really helpful for people to see kind of where where they fall in terms of like, what's their priority here? Like, are you really trying to grow? Because I think it's Like you said, it's not always sustainable to go all in on something, but if you can maintain for a while and then maybe go all in and, you know, do three to four times per week for a little while, that can be really helpful for growing. But I love that you said looking into the analytics, because I think so many times people will test something for such a short amount of time that they don't even really know if it worked. And so I love the idea of, you know, creating a strategy for like a month or so, and then seeing how that goes and being able to make a decision about how that's going afterwards. So I love that. Can I just
1: address one more point that you mentioned uh, that I didn't have a chance to go into, but you were saying earlier that a lot of people feel really overwhelmed by Reel's creation. And I have to say, I am Absolutely, completely no videographer. So, if you check out my Instagram, you'll see my reels are nothing to write home about. But at the same time, what I have noticed is that a lot of the times, the reels that are really, really short, 15 seconds or less, really, really simple, either doing a song that's trending, or a sound that's trending, a reel that takes me maybe five minutes to put together, those do really well, you know, so I I don't think we all have to do these amazing recipe reels that take like five days to produce. And you know, again, that's not sustainable. I think if you do one of those once or twice a month, or whatever you can manage, and then, you know, sprinkle in some of those quick and easy reels, it really is doable.
0: Totally. And I think some of it is just the the getting started and figuring out what you need to, because I know for me, one of the, one of the things that made me very against reels at first was like, I do not want to dance. I do not want to be like up there being silly. Like that's just not my personality. But luckily now that reels have become more, I guess, just available and ideas have become more available. There's so many different things that you can do yeah. with reels that have nothing to do with, you know, being silly and doing TikTok dances and things like that. But along that line, do you have any tips for people who know that they want to be more engaged on Instagram? Maybe they know that their audience is there and they they really want to go kind of more all in with Instagram, but they really are feeling uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. the idea of being either like in their videos on stories or again, like being in their reels. Like what are some, I guess, creative ways to utilize the Different options that Instagram gives us for somebody who may not feel as comfortable being kind of in front of the camera?
1: So, I would say I don't think it's that important to be in front of the camera on Reels, but I do think that there's something really magical about stepping in front of the camera on stories. Like, there's, I don't know, there's like a connection there that is like no other part of the app. And I'd love to invite anyone listening who's shy about it to give it a go. And you'll be amazed like how people love it and how encouraging and supportive and amazing they are. So I'd love to start actually by answering that. But one of the features that I have found works a treat both with my clients and for myself is the question box on stories. It is so, so powerful. And I mean, if you have a really engaged following, a question like ask me anything, you know, is great. But If not, or if you have kind of struggled, then being really specific. So maybe ask me a question about, you know, gluten-free baking. Or for me, it's a lot of the times around the business side of being a food photographer, food blogger. I usually do, you know, kind of business Thursdays where I, answer any creative business questions, for example. So, you know, having a specific theme on a specific day around your questions, I find people are super engaged, um, with that. So that is definitely one way you don't have to show your face. You can just write text and, um, you know people love that i also think another thing that's really powerful is showing behind the scenes you don't actually have to be in it in fact a lot of the times i'm not because i'm holding my my phone right and the camera's pointing away from me just showing where, what i'm cooking or what i'm photographing or what have you and people love a behind the scenes. And sometimes if the behind the scenes is really popular or something I've taught or done on stories is really popular, I just package that up as a reel and I post it on my grid and that does really well too. So yeah, those are the the two things I can think of that always, always hit the mark.
0: Totally. And I, I love the tip about the questions box. And I would say to add to that, I, again, going back to this idea of like experimenting with something, you can't just do it once and then say oh, it didn't work. You have to and this is something that happens on our blogs too, but you have to train your audience that this is going to be happening. And you know, I think for a lot of people that's kind of the the hard part is committing to something like that, but you know, don't just make it a one-time thing and then say it didn't work. You're going to have yeah. to keep showing up in and using those different features yeah. to get people to start to learn to engage, especially if you have been absent for a while on stories or have just not really used Instagram, like it it will take a while for A, people to see it and B, for people to engage with it. And like you said, maybe it's too general. Maybe people don't have anything they want to ask you about if it's just ask me anything, but if you can get more specific and tap into what you want your audience to engage with and then ask them questions around that. That can be can be helpful too. So yeah, I love all of those tips. I would also love to hear if you have any other tips for, I guess, balancing the the personal side versus the, I guess, business side, if you will. So for example, for a food blogger, like showing new recipes versus maybe showing like your personal life or more of kind of the, the non-businessy content that you might want to share. Do you have any recommendations for that and kind of how people can creatively use both of those different parts to engage people
1: yeah i would say it's a very personal choice and the best balance is to do what feels right to you so if you are super private person and the thought of stepping in front of a camera or sharing anything beyond your recipes just really doesn't feel right then you know listen to your gut go with that and just show what you want to show and that what you enjoy sharing right i think I have very set boundaries around what part of my personal life I share and what not. So for example, I've never shared my husband or son, or I never share when we go on holiday or time with my family. Like that is my kind of sacred personal space. But I also often think it's not that interesting except for me, right? But I do share a lot of the behind the scenes of my work and also what it, means for me personally, because what we do is really hard. You know, I think we give so much of ourselves. And I think also, especially those of us who maybe have grown our platform ways that people look at and they're like, Oh my God, I want that. And then they think our life is perfect. But actually it's, you know, we have our ups and downs and get emotional and things like that. So I do share that because I feel I have a duty to, if that makes sense. And that is more vulnerable and that's more personal, but it still is within the parameters that I feel comfortable in setting. And, um, but I think showing as much of you as the whole person makes it easier for your audience to connect to you on a deeper level. And it means that you're more than because you are more than the recipes that you share and that that's a great way for people to, to see that. So I would encourage you to share as much of you as you can and you want to, and you feel comfortable because it just, yeah, it's, it's really special.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think it, again, it differentiates you from other people, even if your competition is sharing the exact same recipe content, they may not, they're not sharing themselves in the same way that you're going to share yourself. And so I agree that it, it, comes down to feeling comfortable with it, but then also comfortable with it from a boundary perspective, but then, you know, going outside of your comfort zone to, to share a little bit more and to try to connect with people because it's a lot easier for someone to connect to another human than it is for them to connect to a recipe of, you know, a dinner dish, you know, it's just not, exactly. it's not the same. So exactly. I love that. All right. Well, is there anything else that you feel like you wanted to share, but we didn't get to, um, as we wrap up?
1: Yes, one more thing, which actually leads very nicely into, um, you know, the last part of your um, your list of questions that you sent through. But I think there's one more way that is helped me grow to over 100,000 followers on Instagram. And that is challenges, hosting challenges. So I host a food photography challenge, usually about two, sometimes three times a year right now. This year is just once. But I found challenges are a great growth strategy. So that's another one to add to your things to try and explore. There are a lot of challenges going around. So again, be sure that yours is different, unique, and that it ties into the niche that you're in. And on that note, Madison, I don't know when this episode comes out, but I do have the next Eat, Capture, Share challenge opening up for registration the 30th of May. So it may be too late, but if not, do sign up and join. I'm can give you the link for that Madison and if it has passed you can join the mailing list and then you'll be informed when the next one runs so
0: yeah yeah that's awesome could you just briefly I know we're getting close to to time but could you just briefly share like what a challenge is for someone who might not have experienced those before
1: Yes. So I'm going to use something within the food space. So not like a food photography one, because that's a little bit different. But a lot of the times, especially at the start of the year, for example, you might see a smoothie challenge or something like that. So there's different ways that you can run a challenge. I run mine that you need to sign up to my mailing list to receive the prompts and, you know, to be part of the challenge. Some people don't do that. You just get the prompts like they've posted on their Instagram. Usually they save it as a highlight and anyone can participate. But um, I like it as a mailness list sign up because it means I get to, you know, build a, a closer connection with anyone who participates. It does mean that fewer people will sign up versus if you open it up to everyone on Instagram, right? So there's a drawback and a plus. And then basically you set a challenge either every single day for a week or three challenges in a week or whatever you like around this specific theme. So if it's a smoothie challenge, what you would then do is post maybe the recipe and everybody makes it to get healthy or whatever, or, you know, start the year right or, you know, and that's a great way to share your recipe skills and to get people excited and healthy and that kind of thing. In my challenge, the way that we, um, there's some things that you have to do in order to participate. So you have to use my hashtag and also tag me in your photo and in your caption. And that means that if anyone's like, wait, I want to be part of this challenge. Like, what is this about? You know, all trails lead back to you and you will inadvertently grow your Instagram audience, possibly even your mailing list. It's a really, really powerful way to attract your ideal customer, your ideal client, your ideal reader uh, into your sphere. So, um, and for me, what I do at the end of the challenge week, we have a live where we announce a winner or we do giveaways or that kind of thing. So it's, you know, a really big event, a really big kind of community event. And, um, Yeah, it also positions you as an expert, as a leader. And it's a really, really powerful, powerful tool.
0: That's awesome. And I think that can be such a great way for food bloggers to step out and you know show themselves as an expert in a certain topic and to really grow that authority, but also to really make those connections that I know a lot of us miss from kind of the old days of blogging. So that's a great way to engage your audience. So I would love for you to just share how people can stay connected with you apart from, you know I know they have a challenge coming up and then anything else that you would like them to know.
1: Yes. So if you would like to hear more about Instagram or the business side of being a food blogger or food photographer, do check out my podcast called Eat, Capture, Share. I'm on, you know, all the places. My food blog is called The Little Plantation. You can head there for recipes and creative business tips and food photography tips. And I'm The Little Plantation on Instagram. And um, yeah, would love to connect with you in all those places.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Kimberly. And I know people are going to walk away with a really great strategy for how they can just spend a little bit more intentional time on Instagram to hopefully, you know, grow that platform and connect people back to their blog. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me.